Well, good morning. Are you glad to be here today? Let me ask you a question. Um, is that your testimony? He's never failed me yet? That's my testimony. I just want to say that. God has been so faithful to me and has never failed me. And yesterday, I, I had the opportunity. This week was kind of a fun week for me. On Thursday night, I got to go to the Bengals game. And then yesterday, Megan and I drove to Notre Dame and watched UC play Notre Dame. And that was a really, really great experience for UC fans. Um, but I want to tell you something about that ex experience. And I, I don't talk about this because I don't want us to focus on football, but I want this to focus us a little bit more on God today. Um, we're at the UC game. UC's up by 11 points. I believe there was about eight minutes left, and people are getting excited, and, and I'm in the middle of a big group of UC fans. There was quite a few throughout the stadium, and I'm sitting there, and, and people are starting to celebrate and cheer, and all of these other UC fans are like, hey, dude, calm down. Guys, it's too early. Guys, we, we're Cincinnati fans. We can't start celebrating yet. We're up 11 with eight minutes, but you never know. And then it got down to like five minutes, and we've got the ball, and, and it gets down to four points, and everyone's panicking a little bit, but then we get the ball back, and everyone's like, whoa, hey, let's not get too excited. This is UC football. We'll find it. And I say all that, once again, not to focus us on football, but man, we are in the presence of the living God today that has never failed us. And I, I mean, walking into that stadium yesterday was incredible. I was out in the concourse and there are just people everywhere and it was just this electric atmosphere because they were so charged up to root on their team. And so we got UC fans yelling and we got Notre Dame fans yelling and everyone's so excited because of what's gonna happen. And then we get to the end of the game and they're like, hey, everybody calm down. We don't know about this. Listen, today we are here to worship the living God, who has never failed. I, I really love football. I really enjoyed going to both of those games. Listen, there's no better place to be than right here, worshiping the God that never fails. God is so good. So this morning, we're gonna, we're gonna be looking at um, 1 Kings 17, and we're gonna start the new series on Elijah. And I, I just wanna say a little bit, Elijah is one of my favorite people in Scripture. I mean, even in just these three short chapters that we're going to be looking at, you're going to see five different stories that are just uh, about God's incredible provision, God's incredible power working in the life of Elijah. And so my prayer for this is that each and every one of us would be able to take what we see happening in Elijah's life, the way that God's working, and we would be able to strengthen our faith and that we would be able to walk in here every week, and we talked about, we, we just did a whole series on worship, that we would come in here, that we would go from this place, that every day at work, every night at home, that you would worship the God that never fails. So we're going to look at 1 Kings 17. We're going to be just at the beginning today. I want to set it up a little bit. Um, this is the northern kingdom of Israel that Elijah comes to. He enters the scene in a time where the, the kingdom of Israel is divided, and, and the northern kingdom has a leader named Ahab. 
So God's delivered the people. Um, God's been with the people. God's been faithful. But time and time again, the people fall into the trap of forgetting about who God is, forgetting about what God's done, and they turn to idols. So King Ahab is no different. In fact, we're going to read here. I'll read in just a second from 1 Kings 16. Ahab was the worst of the worst when it comes to the kings. Pretty much at the time we see Elijah come onto the scene, the people of God have almost completely turned away from worshiping and serving God. But listen to this. This is 1 Kings 16, verse 30. Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. He not only considered it trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, But he also married Jezebel, daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, and began to serve Baal and worship him. He set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal that he built in Samaria. Ahab also made an Asherah pole and did more to arouse the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than all the kings of Israel before him. So the situation's pretty rough. Ahab has led the people of Israel, God's people, and done more evil and more idolatry. It says here, he built a temple to Baal. He built a temple to another God. So the people of God have have kind of turned away. They've stopped putting God first. They've stopped relying on God. And that's when we see Elijah enter the story. 1 Kings 17, verse 1. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe and Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. So we got King Ahab, powerful, evil king, worshiping every every false god, every idol, everything other than the one true living God. And we have Elijah who just kind of comes onto the scene out of nowhere and says, listen up, king. Listen up, as surely as my God lives, the living God, who I serve, who I stand before, it's not going to rain anymore until I say so. This is incredible. This, uh, how many of you are wrestling fans? All right, a few of you, yeah. I figured all of us watched wrestling, right? No? I'm just kidding. I don't watch wrestling. But I did a little bit when I was a kid. And you know, like those posts, what this reminds me of, Elijah coming onto the scene, reminds me of like right before the match when they would interview the wrestlers and they were just bold and, and every once in a while they'd come out and they'd just run in and, and start beating people up. This, I mean, like Elijah comes into this dark, ugly situation and he, boom, hey, my God is alive. I serve God, not you. And guess what? No more rain, not until I say so. Doesn't that sound like a pro wrestler? It's not going to rain until I say so. That's my best rock impression, I'm sorry. Um, Elijah busts onto the scene. Listen, this is significant. Elijah's name itself, my firstborn is named Elijah because I love love Elijah in Scripture. That's part of the reason I shared that last week. But Elijah, just do you know what his name means? He comes onto the scene in a time where the people of God have turned away from the one true God. The name Elijah means Yahweh is my God. His very name 
proclaims the truth that you guys have turned away from the one true living God. And then he comes with this bold message. So there's three things I want you to see in this message. Number one, it says, um, Elijah comes to Ahab and says, as, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives. See, the people had forgotten that God was alive and well. They'd forgotten that God was faithful. They'd forgotten that God had been with them through this whole time. And so he starts out with this bold declaration. The Lord my God is living. Listen to me this morning. The God that we came to worship and serve, the God that we walk in relationship with is not a God of the past. That's what Elijah's saying. You, you guys act like God was the God of the past. No, God is alive today. Listen to me, church. The living God, the one true God, is the God we came to worship today. So he says, my God is alive. The second thing he says, before whom I stand or whom I serve. The King James says, before whom I stand. I love that. He comes, he comes before the king and he says, my God's alive and that's who I serve. And that's who I stand before today. I don't stand before you, I don't serve you. I serve the one true living God. And then the third part, and it's not gonna rain again until my God is ready for it to rain again and I say so. Why is that significant? Well, Baal, you know the Baal that, that Ahab had built a temple to? Baal was the God over several things, but one of the things, one of the chief things that Baal was known for was being the God of rain and dew. And so the people needed their crops to grow, and they thought God wasn't with them. They forgot about God, so they turned to this Baal, and they start worshiping Baal, thinking they can get what they need. And Elijah shows up and says, hey, my God is alive. My God is who I serve, and my God controls the rain He's called to point the people of Israel back to God. I hear this in the church all the time. I hear people say, hey, we, we need to point people back to God. We need to show people truth. Everyone, listen, I, I, stood, in a, I stood in a stadium with 80 some thousand people yesterday. And, and I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna be real with you. When I go around town, when I, when I go to my kids' football games, I see people worshiping other gods, other idols. When you stand in a stadium and you realize these people live for this, and full transparency, I love sports. There have been times in my life that sports was an idol for me. Our job as the people of God is to worship and serve God and to point people to God. That's our calling. Elijah comes to point the people back to God. So then we, God's calling is on his life. He shows up, and then we see in verse 2 this strange turn of events. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Leave here. Turn eastward, eastward and hide in the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan, and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Does anyone else feel like this doesn't match the intensity of the first verse and the second verse? 
Elijah shows up like the rock and says, hey, my God is God, my God is living, and it's not going to rain again. And then God says, hey, I need you to go hide for a little bit. I need you to get away. I need you to go over by this brook, and I'm going to take care of you. Why does that happen? Well, there's two things, I think. Number one, Elijah really would have been in trouble. I mean, he stood before the king, who, by the way, was the most evil king there had been, and told him, basically, I hold the keys to the rain. And so he was in danger. So God says, I'm going to protect you. But I think there's something much bigger going on here. I don't think this is just about protection. I think this is about provision. The second thing here is that God is teaching Elijah to trust in him. See, Elijah's calling, as we just said, was to point people to God, to point the Israelites, God's people, back to trust in God, back to putting God first, and the next thing we see is God saying, go to this brook and watch me provide for you. And what happens in that moment is Elijah learns more and more that God is the source. Some of you may be thinking, his name is Elijah. Yahweh is my God. He doesn't need that. But let's be honest. No matter how many times you've come to church or read the Bible, no matter how many times you've put your trust in God or come to an altar, there are times that we're tempted to put other things first. And it's almost as if God is saying, if you're going to teach it, if you're going to point people, then you better make sure that you are pointing to me. God would teach his people to trust in him through Elijah, but first God had to teach Elijah to trust. We, we talk in the church about pointing people to truth. Hey, we got we to gotta show these people who are serving idols, we got to show them the one true God. We got to show them the way. I have a feeling a lot of us need to go to a brook and need to learn that God provides. Because there's a lot of other places that we put our trust. So God, God provides. Let me ask you a question. What is the source of the provision? He goes to the brook, um, Kareth. He goes there. God says, you're going to drink from the brook. I'm going to feed you by the ravens. So what is it that provides for Elijah? I think at first glance, we would say, well, it's the brook. It gives him water. And the ravens bring him food. So the brook and the ravens are the source of his provision. But I, I love this. Tony Evans has this quote, and, and I, it's incredible. He says, you only have one source. Anything outside of God is a resource, not a source. Think about that for a minute. Let that sink in. Yes, Elijah is, is, has water from a brook. Yes, Elijah is fed by the ravens. But who is it, what is it that ultimately provides for Elijah? It's God. It's God that says, go there. It's God that says, I will make the ravens come feed you. And way too often, we think that the resources are the source. But we see here, that's not true. We only have one source Anything outside of God is a resource, not a source. See, we oftentimes, we put our trust in God. We come to a place of need in our life and we say, God, I need you. God, I really need you to show up now. And God shows up because God is faithful every time. But you know what happens a lot of times? When God is faithful and provides for us, we start to think that that provision, 
is the source, and all of a sudden we stop relying on God? We, you know this. this is, I see this all the time in the church. I, I remember this growing up, teens. I remember this. I was in high school, and, and here comes the test that I didn't study for, and I just think, God, help me. I need you to help me in this moment. Provide for me. And sometimes, most of the time, it didn't work for me. It just didn't work. But sometimes God provides, and then once we feel like we're taken care of, we go our separate way. This happen, but this happens all the time in our culture. People come to a place of need and they come crying to God and they say, God, provide for me. And God provides and they say, thank you so much, God. Okay, now I'm okay. I'm going to go do my own thing. And we forget that it's the provider, not the provision. You only have one source. Now let's talk about the sources. I mean, let's talk about the resources. There's two things. There's a brook and there's ravens. I think this represents a couple different things to us. Number one, the brook, the brook is a natural resource, isn't it? I mean, you could go across the street right there and you can find a little pond. You could go back here by Chesterwood and you could find a pond. You could go in some neighborhoods and you could find a little brook or ravine. Those are natural things, right? They're water that's right there. So if you need a drink of water, there are natural ways that you can have a drink of water. It's all around us. So the brook is kind of a natural resource. But then there's this supernatural thing. And that's that God has ravens bring bread and meat to Elijah. How many of you have ever had birds feed you? Good. I'm really feeling good about our church right now. Way to go, guys. <laughs> No, but that's supernatural. That's God providing in a way that, that is outside of the norm. That's not natural. I want you to understand today that God can provide through natural things and through supernatural things. There, there are a lot of times in my life, in fact, I would say the majority of the time that I need provision, it comes through a natural thing. My paycheck, my friends, my family, my talents, my abilities, my, my mind, most of the time, for me, God provides through the natural things. But sometimes God provides in supernatural ways that I can't, have any, can never, any of you just raise your hand and say, God has provided for me in a supernatural way before? God is so faithful, he can provide through the natural and the supernatural. The problem is, oftentimes when it's the natural, we don't understand that it's God providing for us. We think it's the supernatural is when God shows up. No, God shows up every single time. God provides in the natural and the supernatural. So let me, let me ask you a question to drive this point home. Why did the brook dry up? Why, so, come on, let's get interactive here. Someone help me out. Why did the brook? No rain. Hey, why didn't it rain, Chris? Because God, God stopped the rain. So the brook is a natural resource. It dried up. Why? Because God stopped the rain. Sometimes we think the natural things are, are the source, but the truth is the source is God. These are just resources. Every natural thing began as supernatural. Isn't that an incredible thought? My job, money, my family, my friends, my talents, my mind, all of that began as God's supernatural creation. 
And the problem is sometimes we think, well, I'm getting by, I'm provided for because I'm smart. I'm getting by, I'm provided for because I work hard and, and I naturally have this job because I'm good at what I do and that's how I, and we forget that everything we have comes from the source, from God. And here's where this becomes a real problem, is that when you start to put your trust and your hope and your faith in the natural, and you start to treat those things not as resources but as the source, you start to worship those things. You start to arrange your life in a way that prioritizes those things over anything else. How does that work? Well, if my job is the source of my provision, the number one source, if my job is a source and not a resource, then guess what? I'd better make sure that I put the, the most of my attention and my energy into my job because that's what provides. You know what gets left out in that mix? I mean, 99% of the time, you know what gets left out when we put our energy and our faith into resources? The source. 80-some thousand people at a Notre Dame football game yesterday, Notre Dame UC, let's say at a UC football game. 80-some thousand people. I wonder what percentage of those today are worshiping God. I wonder what percentage of those are putting God above football and a school. And listen, I don't, I don't mean to be mean. Like one of the things that I was very impressed by is that after the game, they had mass, and I watched as people walked out of the stadium and walked over to worship, and I thought, yes, yes, keep God first. Listen, you uh, see, football is a lot of fun. I love football, and for a, like I said earlier, there have been times in my life that sports have become an idol for me. When I was growing up, I spent hours every day on sports, watching it, playing it, studying it. You know what took a back burner? The source, the one true God that I'm called to worship. Elijah comes and he says, hey, you guys are worshiping resources. You're worshiping false gods. There's only one true God and that's where you need to be. Worshiping God. God provides. So listen, I, I know some of you might say today, hey, I've got some idols. I've got some things that have just taken precedence over God. Don't confuse the resources with the source. See, resources are limited. If you put all your time and attention into your job, I hate to tell you, but jobs come and go. You can be fired. Business is closed. Your job is a resource, but it's a limited resource. It can only take you so far. If you put all your time and energy in your education, education's a good thing, a job's a good thing. If you put all of your time and energy into your education, and that's what is your source, I hate to tell you, but education is limited. If you put all your time and energy into relationships with your family, with your friends, I love family and friends. I believe God wants us to love our family and friends, but don't get them confused with the source. They're limited. But what we're going to see in this last part is that the source 
is unlimited. Let's move on, verse seven. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Way to go, Chris. Then the word of the Lord came to him, to Elijah, and said, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little jar, a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? And as she was going to get it, he called and bring me please a piece of bread. Listen to this response. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied. Remember hearing that earlier? Surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied. I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Let me just stop there for a second. So Elijah's at the brook, it dries up. God says, go here, I'm gonna feed you through a widow. Most widows were not wealthy in that day. He goes, he comes to the widow, he says, hey, can you get me some food? And the widow says, hey, I, I got nothing. In fact, I'm on my way to eat my last meal and die. Look what Elijah says in verse 13. Elijah said to her, do not be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me, and then make something for yourself and your son, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family, for the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. I I'd probably read that a little bit too soft for you guys to get the goosebumps, but do you hear, I mean, do you feel the weight of that? So Elijah's called to come onto the scene and, and he says, hey, God is living. I serve God, and God's not going to let it rain until I say so. And then God says, you know what? You need to go learn a lesson, so go learn to be provided for. So Elijah goes to this brook, and, and this is where I think these things are really relatable for us. I mean, how many times have you just thought, what in the world are you doing, God? How many times have you felt like God was sending you to a brook when you should be going to conquer the world? How many times have you questioned how God was doing what God does. I, guilty. And he goes to the brook. He's obedient. And God's providing through natural and through supernatural resources, but all of a sudden, it dries up. What are you doing, God? I thought you were going to provide for me here. And God says, you know what? Now it's time for you to go to Zarephath. You know what Zarephath is? That's the center of Baal worship. That is the heart of the enemy. So God says, hey, announce the with boldness. Now I want you to go hide and be provided for. Hey, now I'm going to send you to be provided for into the middle, the teeth of the enemy. And by the way, I'm going to provide for you through a widow. 
And Elijah goes, and he's obedient from brooks, from the brook and the ravens to the widow and Zarephath. God was leading Elijah one step at a time. Let me ask you a question. How many have you, of you have asked the question, God, why don't you just tell me the plan? Anyone? That's probably the most relatable thing in this sermon. I can't tell you how many times I've said, God, I don't know what you're doing. I'd really like to know what you're doing. Could you show me? And what, and, or what are we doing over here? Why are we at a brook? Why are we at Zarephath? That doesn't make, God, can you just show me the big plan? You know why I think God doesn't do that? Because let's be honest. If we had the plan, we'd start worshiping the plan. Can I get an amen, Jay? Thank you. If we had the plan, we would worship the plan. Jay loves to plan. He's awesome. I'm just joking with you. If, if, if we had the plan, if we had it all mapped out before us, we would start worshiping the plan. We would start worshiping the things, the journey, and we would forget about the source. So God is teaching him every step of the way. He finds this poor widow and he says, hey, God is directing me here. Can you make me a meal? And he must have been blown away by her response. She says, as surely as the Lord your God lives. Listen to what that, let's, let's hone in a little bit on that. As surely as the Lord your God lives. Did you miss that word? Your God. You know what the widow's saying here? I believe in God. I believe your God is living, but God is not my God, my provider, my source. Listen to me. There is a difference between believing in God and trusting that God is your source. There's a difference between believing in God and putting God first in everything. And I see this all the time. People say, I believe in God, but it's clear that God is not number one in their life. And when it gets, when, when it gets tough for them, they turn to idols. There's a difference between believing in and trusting and putting God first. As surely as the Lord, your God lives. I've got nothing. It's not going to work. She acknowledges God. But she hasn't learned to trust in God. But Elijah has learned to trust in God. Remember, he was at a brook. He was fed by ravens. He's been directed here. And so this is some boldness. You know, it's one thing for you to respond in faith when God calls you to something, to say, okay, I'll miss a meal to be faithful to you. But man, we're talking about a widow who says, this is my last meal. I am going to eat and die. Elijah says, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first, but first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me, and then make something for yourself and your son. Man, I love that confidence. I love that boldness. Is there anyone in here that maybe feels like that's a little bit arrogant and selfish that, that Elijah didn't say, oh no, go take care of yourself first? Oh, if you got one meal left, I don't want to take part of that meal. No, go ahead. It's not. Why is it not? Because Elijah has learned that there's one source and that the resources are limited, but the God is unlimited. And so he says, don't go die after that meal. Put God first. Listen to the wording right there. It says, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first, 
But first, do what God's commanded you to do. Then take care of yourself. Do you have the faith in God's provision? Have you learned God's provision enough to be able to point others? I told you at the beginning, Elijah's call was to point the people of Israel back to God. He learned provision, and now we see him literally pointing people back to God. Verse 15, she went away and did as Elijah had told her. This is the best part. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry. In keeping with the word that the Lord had spoken. We sang about it right before the sermon. Are you putting God first? Is God your source? Have you put God above the other things and learned to trust completely? Resources are limited, but our God is unlimited. Our God's the creator of the resources. Our God's the God that gives you the talent and the brains. Our God's the God that created the world and the brook and the water. Our God can do anything. And if we'll put him first, and if we let God be our source, we will never, ever be lacking. Let me talk about that for a second. When I say we'll never be lacking, I don't mean you're all going to get rich. I don't mean you're all going to have the best food in your cabinets every single day. I don't mean that life's going to be easy. We're going to see over the next four weeks that life isn't always easy for Elijah. But our God provides. Resources are limited. Today we worship the God that's unlimited, that wants to provide for us, whether it's through a brook or through ravens or through a, a widow who has one meal left. Our God provides. Uh, worship team's going to come up and we're going to sing a song about God's great faithfulness. As you respond to this today, I just want you to check your heart. Maybe there's some things that have kind of gotten in the way or taken the place of God. Maybe, maybe you've started to put work or family or money or your talent, or education, maybe that stuff has started to become the source for you. Today, I, I think Elijah wants to point us back to the living God. The Lord is my God. And I think God wants to speak to us and say, hey, I've got you. Put me first. Trust me. I'm unlimited. God, we love you today. I don't want to get into the business of judging where each person in here is at, but Lord, I pray that each and every one of us would examine our hearts and our lives. And if there's things that maybe we have put in front of you, if there's resources that we've elevated to be idols, Lord, I pray that we would surrender those to you and that you would once again be the center of everything. You would be our source. I thank you that you've never failed us. I thank you that you always provide everything we need. And I pray that you would teach us today. I 
thank you that you're faithful. I thank you that we don't have to live nervous. You are a God that's been faithful every step of the way. You're not a God of the past. You're a God of right now. You're the living God and you provide. So teach us, Lord. Provide for us and help us to put you first in everything. In Jesus' name.